Hey, this is Paul Patrick, and though I've been pulled over by cops because I looked like somebody else, I've never received a traffic violation. Hi, I'm Van Kelly, and when I was in high school, I was suspended for 30 days for smoking weed. What is happening and welcome to our show, Every Day I'm Different, a podcast celebrating the ironies of our personalities. Each episode, me, Van Kelly, and my co-host, Paul Patrick, will give you all an insight into our lives through some personal stories on a myriad of topics. Paul, how are you doing, sir? I'm, I'm aghast that you were suspended for a month. For weed, they like, used the? to take uh, you know kids' behavior much more seriously yeah. than they probably do now. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't even actually catch us. Uh, it was rumored, and the teachers who were in charge of the trip said, "We have just heard rumors. <laughs> we do not want to take any action. We're here on a field trip, so if you guys throw it away, and they, we have no more problems, no more smells, no more yeah. nothing, we'll let it go." Of course we did because we were scared shitless. Sure. And then we get back to school. Some kid who was in the room told his mom who was on the school board. She raised oh. a stink. They brought us into the principal's office, told us that we knew we did it, played the whole reverse psychology, got us to admit it, and then suspended us for 30 days. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Meanwhile, I got a buddy who uh, he teaches middle school. Yeah. And uh, somebody in one of his classes was just suspended for three days for vaping in class. That was okay. an eighth grader, vaping. Yeah. But, like, still, like, fucking idiot vaping in class oh, and yeah. suspended for only three Three days, and it's their uh, their Christmas break or whatever. So oh, wow, yeah, early vacation. Oh my so, gosh, yeah. Uh, wait, uh, vaping like in class, like in the teacher's grill, like I, sitting at their desk. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, I want to say they said it was either a math or a social studies teacher. Well, now, but I have I haven't done the. Uh, you know, I haven't done the research, but I have heard that it's safer than smoking. It makes oh. you beautiful. It, it clears so you up. Rewarded him. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, well is that done. not true? Looking Again, out for your safety. Haven't done the research, <laughs> but that's what the commercials. I'm tell assuming me. he was suspended for be- just being a douchebag. Like, oh, right. Like, yeah. Dude, you look like a hipster idiot. You, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul, do you want to go first with your category today, or do you want me to? Um, yeah, we could flip a coin. What do you do? You, are you feeling especially? I think I want to go second. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, then let's start by looking back. Okay. Let's talk about nostalgia. Gotcha. This yeah. one may be good uh, for my topic as well, actually. Okay. So. Okay. All right. Well, there's just been a bunch of things that have been getting me thinking about nostalgia this week. Okay. Um, one thing in particular, uh, in one of my classes, um, I think it's pretty obvious at this point. I'm a Latin professor. Um, we've been reading. Um, a work by an author named Sallust called The Bellum Catalini. It's all about the Catalinarian conspiracy against the Roman Republic. Now that's the plural of Catalinae? No, Catalini. uh, It's the genitive. It's the possessive case. Oh, It's Catiline's War. Gotcha. Um, But of course it could also be kind of objective. Anyway. Anyway. um, So uh, Sallust um, is talking a lot about about evil, actually. Uh uh, About villains as a whole and bad guys and what makes men evil and so he actually starts talking about 
the history of Rome and how things used to be uh-huh. and how uh, courageous and and for the state and for the people uh, the Romans used to be and how the people of his time are all uh, degraded and corrupt. And I, so I was discussing with my class whether or not that's a common trope, mm-hmm. and it, it is, about the good old days, how things used to be better. Make America great again. I was the first thing somebody said really? in my class. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They glad they made that parallel. They were wearing no hats, but they, wow. uh, yeah. <laughs> so there was that. And then also um, today, um, some of my friends were talking about best of lists of the year uh-huh. and best of music specifically. And one band uh, some friends were really big on because they sounded a lot like a 90s band. And that got another friend of mine to say, 80s and 90s were horrible. People just have this weird, why do they love the 90s so much? And, and I mean, that, especially for our generation, uh, 90s kids, there, I think there's a lot of 90s nostalgia out there, and there was 80s nostalgia, I'm sure. I can't imagine, I cannot imagine there's going to be 2000s nostalgia. What are, the people get, what are they going to be nostalgic for? Dude, are you serious? The nostalgia, nostalgic for like the Wild West days of the internet. When I still feel like that was the late nineties. Oh no! What do you mean no. by the wild? I'm West talking days? about wild west as far as like online person at like online social media and stuff. Uh-huh. Where like, and I'm not promoting this, but when I talk about the wild west, I'm talking like you could sign on and make up an, uh, a screen name and yeah. just be whoever you wanted on the internet, say yeah. whatever you wanted, pretend to be someone else, and I think wait, oh, people don't do that now. No, I think there's a lot more accountability on the internet now. All right, like man, if, Kelly. Uh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that that doesn't still happen. Yeah, but I'm saying that like you've never seen these news stories of like some random person saying something ridiculous, and because they're part of like somebody famous's Twitter feed, it gets blown up to like internet. Oh, sure. Nash, oh, yeah. That's the sort of stuff. No, I'm talking no, about. I, I get you. Oh, so you're saying that there was none of that back then. Okay. It was like the internet was the wild west. Yeah. I guess I might counter that. I, it feels to me like there wasn't that back then because there wasn't social media, like, you know, Twitter didn't take off till the late 2000s. Right, um, but people were still using it in the mid-2000s. Uh, Facebook, uh, MySpace, all that stuff was around. it was still so in, in such its nascent state that, uh, I get what you're saying, and I, so that may be it, is that they, they, they... I don't know if you know this, Paul, but the Wild West, that was the nascent time of okay. our, our Western coast. All right, I get you, I <laughs> get you, right. yeah. Uh, so... That's what I would think. Now, I am, my childhood was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I am very nostalgic for my childhood. I do not think that in any way is connected to the 90s. Okay. I feel like I would be nostalgic for my childhood because people like feeling young and youthful and like the rest of their life is in front of them. But I don't see any, like, I don't see the point of thinking the time period where you grew up was anything special. It was special because you were young and life was awesome. But was there anything – I mean, I, I feel like there's some things. I was just about to look up, like, 90s nostalgia because, like, say BuzzFeed, they are constantly, okay. you know, you're a 90s kid if you remember Jenko's and, like, you know. Yeah. Uh, and obviously that was bullshit. The first thing I pulled up is uh, because we could taste heaven and it's a picture of Dunkaroos. 
Like, uh-huh. uh, all right, Dunkaroos, were they really that good, you know? Um, and, but th- there's been a wave of nostalgia for 90s products uh, coming back out, like Surge coming back, Crystal right. Pepsi. But I don't think uh, either French of them did crunch. that good, did they? Did uh, probably well? not. Probably not, yeah. no. And, you know... Why, but why were people so pumped for it in the first place? I told you. They connected their to childhood. their young youth. Right. And when you were drinking Surge, you felt amazing. You are looking for that amazing <laughs> feeling. And it has nothing to do with Surge. What about music for a second? Like Same thing. You think that 90s music, like... I, still to this day, yeah. will... Uh, maybe once a month go on like a greatest Blink-182 hits rampage because mm-hmm. that was like my big band in high school. Like that was th- them and like Counting Crows were who I really listened to a lot. Okay. Very different bands, I know. Yeah. Um, but. You seen Counting Crows at all recently? Oh, I've, I saw them twice in a summer, like four summers I think we ago. talked about this because yeah. I saw them last year. Yeah. Adam Duritz was just asleep on stage. Yeah. Like, well, he may have been whatever. on like pain pills or right. next hey. and that guy. So yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, good on him. Uh, I, I w- the reason I have such a strong connection to Blink-182 is that's what I was listening to on the car ride before I got laid for the first time. Okay. That's what I was listening to when me and my buddies drove around and got high in our cars and had nothing else, no responsibilities. It has nothing to do with Blink-182. Take Blink-182 and insert any other band you were listening to when all those big events in your life were happening, and you would feel strongly about that. See, I do feel that some of my musical tastes were absolutely formed by some 90s uh, musicians and I would say like the birth of indie rock you know came from Weezer. the 90s um, yeah and, I mean would you not say that Weezer like the blue album uh, Pinkerton really good or do you, um, are you think it's rose-colored glasses from no I think those two albums are really okay good. and I think there's a lot that are in fact I was just complaining how um, you don't probably have, the, hold you have on, XM hold radio no I've listened to it they, at they have an old school show on their indie channel yeah. um, and their rule is that they don't play anything younger than 10 years old and oh. I've been recently complaining like that's bullshit like that's not old school that's not something a nostalgia from, really yeah, yeah. From 2008 or 2009 next right. year you know that's too new they, they shouldn't play anything after 2000 yeah definitely like, But that means, like, there's some really, really good stuff from the 90s. Oh, absolutely. But that's just a product of the time. Every... Every era, every 10 years, every decade is going to have good music, bad music, yeah. good writing, bad writing. I don't think you... But I like, think, on a whole... How else think- are your musical tastes going to get uh, uh, procured, for lack of a better word... Other than the time period in which you grew up. Now, I would argue even if you listened to the 90s stuff and you said, oh, that's terrible. And then you went back to the 80s and 70s. I still think the defining factor was the music around you when you grew up. I think that's just you being a product of your environment, like the time in which you were born. I think nostalgia always comes back to those were better times because I was youth. I was youthful. And, I mean, on the one hand, I agree with you. I mean, I, you know, we, we talked in my class about do things really get worse with time? Because it goes back. I mean, yeah. the, the, the Greeks and Romans were thinking about the eras of time, and they said it started with the Golden Age, then the right. Silver Age, then yeah. the Bronze. Everything's getting worse. Right. You know, that, that, that idea has been around forever. 
And, you know, obviously I don't think that we are worse off than we were in 1950. There's a million ways we're better. But then some people will point to the return of fascism and Nazis and, you know, these things that we thought we were better than and we are getting worse than. Right. You know, are there really any examples where it's not just nostalgia? And, I mean, coming back to music... I, I don't know. Are there were there great, really good bands in the two thousands that I missed out on because I was looking back too much at the nineties? Well, absolutely, or, Umphreys McGee started in the two thousands. We are not talking about jam <laughs> bands this week. This is, uh, um, but yeah, was or yeah, do I have something where there was a little something to nineties music that two thousands music on the whole? And I might say that I'm talking like popular stuff uh-huh. that. You know, was grunge better than the pop explosion of the 2000s? The techno pop or whatever. Okay, EDM right, of yeah. the 2010s. You know, right? You know, I mean, what was the what was the what was the biggest? What was the number one single? I'm gonna look it up real quick. Number one single. I'll tell you. In 2005. In 2005, the number one single was uh-huh. a Ti song. Um, about being on a boat. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. On a boat. Superman. Uh, Superman that hoe. That was like 2005. Uh, looks like Super- Mariah Carey, We Belong Together. What? In 2000? Oh, yeah. In For a few weeks, Gwen Stefani's Hollaback Girl. Okay. 50 Cent Candy Shop. Mario for two months. Let Me Love You. I don't know that song yeah, at all. I, I didn't know the first And one. then Kanye Gold Digger was on top for a few months. Okay. So, but yeah, of those see, songs, think, well, were those better or worse than I'm gonna top songs 1995? I'm probably gonna be, you know. Oh, fuck that. Quit, quit messing around. Do top songs 1972 or 1965. Like, let's put it up against some real pop bangers. Uh, Coolio Gangsta's Paradise was number one single of 1995. Okay. See, so. I put, I don't so, know, yeah, I, mean, I don't I, know yeah. why Gold Digger is any better or worse song than Gangsta's Paradise. Oh, I don't think it is. You yeah. know, and you, it's it's definitely this is coming back to you, yeah. proving your point perception right, of yeah. what you know what I connected with. Like looking at the top singles of 1995, you got Gangsters Paradise, TLC Waterfalls. That okay. is a that's a great great song. It's okay. And then TLC Creep, uh, Seal, Kiss from a Rose. Ooh, good song. Boys to Men on Bended Knee. What about Return McCoy, of the Mac? Another night. No. Was Return of the Mac on there? Mariah Carey, Fantasy, Madonna, Take a Bow. Jesus. Yeah, that's man. a terrible Madonna song. I don't even know You gotta know get down one. to number 14 for Blues Traveler Runaround. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, Hootie and the Blowfish, Let Her Cry at 26. Okay. So I, I, here's the thing. When you are living that, you are uh-huh. much more inclined, I would imagine, to stick up for it because it's like part of your personality. Yeah. You know? When you become older, you define yourself by your family, your friends, your yeah. job. Yeah. And... Music, you just realize, is not really that important to your personality. So I feel hmm. like you don't stick up for things as harshly anymore. You know, we're in our 30s, uh-huh. right? Yes? Yes. And we would, ne- like, even if I really liked a song that came out right now, and I do, I actually want to do this on another uh, uh Music, you like a song? I do. A uh, uh, music, remarkable. Uh, uh, a music episode where that feeling you get when you discover a new band that's been around a while and you never knew of them, and you have like three or four CDs to catch up on. You yeah. know, yeah. Have you ever heard of the band the nineteen seventy five? Yeah, I 
found out about them like three or four weeks ago, and I've just been on a rampage with them. I've been loving them. Interesting. But okay. if anybody nowadays was like, that is stupid music, I don't like that, I'd be like, all right, cool, yeah, no problem. Yeah, oh, but in I my mean, heyday, if sure. you had been like, Blink-182 is crap pop punk, I would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Oh, yeah. So I don't oh. think nostalgia is as strong as when you're in the moment and you're defending it because it's part of your personality. Pat Oswald has a pretty funny bit about that. Oh, but, yeah. uh, I'm about a genius like Pat Oswald. You Thank are you, very, sir. very similar, yeah. <laughs> He, his bit is about like how he used to hate certain music so much. Yeah. He'd be like, "Oh, they're just like that to get pussy." Yeah, and like looking back, he's like, "What is wrong with that? They yeah. got you know, you know what and, some people in this world do to and, get pussy." And Patton, what were you doing by sticking up for your music? Right, you right. were trying to seem cool to some girl who liked that type of music. Right, and you were trying to get pussy too. Sure, yeah, definitely. exactly, yeah. So like, and that's it. It's kind of the flip side of what you were saying. The older you get, the less you hate things. Right. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. I don't got time to hate you right. know rap rock anymore. I don't give a shit. You no, know, not at all. Like, <laughs> who, who even cares? Yeah, it's just, it's, I, that's why, and not to make things political here, uh-huh. because I don't want to, Yeah, but how all these older people are not, like, you always hear about people, you know, like, oh, I can't believe that comedian said, like, when you get older, can't, don't you just realize you don't have to listen to it if you don't like it? You don't gotta, like, a watch it if you don't like it. Right. I understand rap rock still exists. You know why I haven't heard any of it? Because I don't go looking for it. I don't God, type no. it into YouTube. I don't listen to those those channels on XM Radio or Radio. Yeah. So I just don't understand how other people can't see that when you get older, there's just so much out there. Fuck off and let people like their own shit. But coming back to nostalgia. Yes, I was going to. Are there any things that the world is getting worse other than, you know, global warming. Right. Like I was thinking today about the, my students and yes. attitudes. Um, I have, I haven't mentioned it on here, but yeah. this semester I took a, an extra class at a local high school. Uh-huh. Um, they just needed an extra person. Yeah. And I had not taught high school for like six or seven years. Yeah. I used to, but it was really, uh, it was really interesting going back to a, a, a you know, secondary school after this much time. And I still can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something about the attitude of, of students that I, I feel has changed, but obviously it might be me who's changed yeah. or my expectations of them, but just my memory of, of behaviors from 10 years ago are wildly different. Like mm-hmm. there's been a sea change and yeah. I, I don't quite know what it is. Uh-huh. And so I was trying to examine within myself, like, am I just being nostalgic, you know? Well, I read some article the other day, and this might be simplifying it too much, or you may have already thought about this, and it doesn't really fall into your argument, so you didn't bring it up. Yeah. But the uh, the author said something to the lo- uh, along the lines of, when we were coming up, like, we did what was expected of us, and without question, because we had faith in the system or something like that, nowadays... Kids just don't find the inherent value of doing something just to do it. They have to know what the end goal is. They have to know blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, you know, and to me, this comes back to, like, your stance on jobs and, ooh, should, you know, shouldn't we rework the system? Yeah. I think all these kids with attitudes you don't like would be on your side of reworking the system. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But see, I'm old school and I would say, you know what? You're going to run up with a boss who the boss says, I don't give five fucking shits whether you know why I'm asking you to do something. Right. You can fucking do it and I'll pay you or you don't and I won't have to fucking pay you. But see, the kids then would argue, well, then the boss's attitude needs to change. And I would think you would be on that side too because if you're willing to change the idea of 
well, the work week has always been, you know, eight-hour days for five days a week. Well, why (laughs) does it have to? Well, then I'm going to play the devil's advocate and argue for the kids and say, well, it's always been the boss being a dick who's calling all the shots and he does his, his thing his way. But does it have to be? Oh, and and I absolutely agree. Like my first reaction to changing attitudes of students has been like, this is the way you're supposed to behave. And I had to stop and think about my own philosophy of the, you know, and think, wait, wait a second. Should they be the ones to have to change? And then also wondering why did they change? Yeah. And obviously in the last 10 years, um, people probably maybe not familiar with secondary school, how some things have changed on a national level and on local levels about testing. And, um, and you know, this is a whole, you and I, did you ever take a state standardized test for like no child left behind? I think I was like in the, uh, like the, you might have uh, been in like the first class. The that had te- I think I was in the testing, like the, okay. the try it, let's get our base scores. Yeah. So we didn't yeah. have to pass it, but we took it. See, we didn't take – my class was like the last one who didn't take it. Okay. It was brand new for everybody after right. us. And now after – you know, reveal my age here, after 20 years uh-huh. – um, we've had a couple of generations go through this and yeah, you know what you were saying about, um, uh, about the horses. No, um, <laughs> what you were saying about wanting to know the intrinsic value because it's just, I think they can see it's just bullshit. Right. You know, they've been fed this bullshit for 20 years right, yeah. and they've, they don't understand why do we have to do this? Well, you just have to, but there's no value to it, and okay, there's so no he, failing it either. Like right. you know, you get a uh, you get unlimited time to do it. You right. get unlimited chances. I maybe unlimited. I don't know. Yeah. You get a lot of chances to try again. You know, you get extra help. You get tutoring. They're gonna push you through however they can. There's no. It's almost like there's no failure. Well, here's my problem with what youths I have dealt with. And okay. I don't know. I still consider college kids youth. I'm old. Oh, now, absolutely. Right? I mean, and especially because, I mean. You and I have taught kids who came through this system as well at this point. I, I'm sure there's a difference in their behaviors between secondary school and college, but yeah. So yeah. here's my problem with it is I get that, but I, first let me start with my philosophy. Okay. I was always raised, first of all, I feel like the reason I got into education is because my parents made... And uh, Paul, if you ever want to use this line when trying to get a job next time, you absolutely can because it kills in interviews. The way I was raised, I could never imagine my life without education. Like I love the idea of getting out of school, recharging your batteries. I enjoyed showing up at the first day of school, you know, to either show how smart I was or talk with my friends or go to gym class. There was something about being in a school that even if I didn't buy into all of it, I just enjoyed being there, being part of like the spectacle of it all. And that got drilled into me. So to the point where like I, I ended up in a profession related to it. Yeah. And I also just had this acceptance that the level of education you got or how well you did at it was a direct correlation to you making more money. And I always wanted independence. I wanted to buy my own shit. I wanted to have my own place. Okay. So I was willing to accept whatever tripe they threw at me because the system we were growing up in, not the school system, the working world, had decided that those of you who proved your worth or intelligence were going to get more money. Okay. Okay. Now, if kids say there's better ways to show your worth or whatever, I'm fine with that. But my problem is I'm noticing that they don't want to do the intelligence stuff 
but then they're also lazy as shit. I have no problem with any blue collar worker who wants to work his ass off. I'm not going to call you dumb. I'm not going to call you ignorant. I'm not going to call you less of a person than me. Because I'm making more money than we are. Probably. But, you know, it's like the kids, they just want to rest on the laurel of, oh, well, this doesn't matter to me. There's no intrinsic value. There's no end goal. All right. Well, you still have to exist and participate in the society. So what are you going to bring to it? Right. You don't want to do intelligent work. You're lazy as shit. Why would anybody ever give you money? Just because you can point out that the system's broken? Yeah. Who the fuck cares you can do that? Right? I mean, is there not some truth in what I'm saying? Oh, I, I think I agree, at least on some level. And so what we're saying is... Children have gotten worse. So, <laughs> I've been trying yeah. to avoid it. Ah, nostalgia for the way kids <laughs> used to be. Right? And I brought this up, I think, in a personal uh, example to you. Or maybe it wasn't you, but uh, I have a teaching buddy who anytime I start bitching about uh, students or, or, or the like, he always goes, well, don't don't feel too bad. There's a, a, a cave that was found near ancient Rome. Yeah. And in the cave, there were these like writings or tablets or something where essentially professors were saying like, oh, the kids of today were yeah. like, so even back in ancient Rome times, sure. they were saying these darn kids. Right. Oh, absolutely. Know? Absolutely. I just, I, I maybe I'm rationalizing, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like we actually have some real problems that we have, we can look back on the last generation or two and see what we did to cause the problems. Yeah. I am willing to accept and make changes to our society as a rational thinking, realistic person. What I don't see is the youth giving us any options. Yeah. Them just saying we deserve it or, or, you know, we, we need a change. So make it happen. They're not doing anything well, and to make that happen. I would love to work a four day work week because we're all <laughs> Dicking off and don't take one day serious. Right. But you guys aren't going to change anybody's view of just sitting around and whining about it. And uh, I was about to say that, what was I about to say? Uh, that, oh, well, there's so many other factors. I can say, you know, oh, it's the way we started testing in the last, you know, 20 years. No, yeah. that is certainly not the silver bullet. But it may be a factor, but the advent of technology, cell phone, the cell phone generation, and the the, the real facts of life are that, that educators have to change. Yeah. You know, the cell phone is not going anywhere. Technology right. is not going anywhere. If we don't embrace it, and you know what? You are exactly right. You know, maybe they are right. Like, why do we work a five-day week? Why haven't we gotten so much technology that we don't need to work yeah. uh, this much? Like, I, I swear said. to God, if these kids so. coming up today don't change the fucking system after all the bitching they do about tests and stuff, that's <laughs> fine. I don't want to give tests ever again. But you know what? I'll never be in a position to fucking change it. I'll be a teacher when I'm 50. You all are going to be making changes. Make that shit happen so I don't have to give tests anymore. Well, according to the my friends, anyway, millennials don't vote, so uh, it's not oh, going to yeah. happen, I guess. You know? Interesting. Do you I vote, Paul? Oh, yes. Uh, oh, interesting. Yes. And they interesting. all my friends do, and yet everyone's like, oh, these millennials. Yeah. Oh, I don't vote. Oh, the generation younger than me, no. they are falling down on the job. No, no, no. I uh, don't back in my day, shit. you know. Yeah. So, nostalgia. I, I agree that it is a tricky beast. Mm-hmm. Um, there's too many people who are going to look back on everything and say it was all better in the past. And that's too easy of a thing to do, and it's not right. And I, it's also just, too easy to say it's all better now because yeah. it's certainly it's a complicated right, yeah. issue. And I, I don't know. Yeah, it's 
It's just so obvious to me. Oh, really? You Music sounded better when your dick worked and you could drink all day and not get hung over and you had all the possible... Oh, things sounded better? They tasted better back then? Look, really? this episode is not about my dick not working, okay? <laughs> Look, that was in confidence and... But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's just such an easy thing. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. I mean, give me some things you like recently that you would like uh, say are as good as the things you liked in the past. Are, are oh, everything. Everything? You know? Okay. You know, although you talking about nostalgia and uh-huh. that cont- uh, content, huh. context, yeah. um, I've been thinking a lot recently about how, what, what am I going to get to a point where there's not going to be an amazing new book I read or an amazing new movie because nothing's going to move me the way that something did when I was 20. And so there again, it's not that it was better back right. then. You know, there are almost certainly better expressions of art today, but though I like to think I keep myself open artistically to new music, now, do new you movies, think new books. That is because art represents the society in which it's made. And as the older you get, if you distance yourself from the pulse of pop culture and and the the you know just the the idea of what's going on in modern young people society, you aren't going to like the art that is representative of that time. Maybe I was feeling recently a cranky old man because I was listening to an artist who she's twenty two or twenty three years old, yeah. and uh, I was really digging it. But then her lyrics, um, there was lyrics about sending nudes, you know, right, uh, or something like that. And yeah. I was like, how trite, you know. But wait, that's like a major yeah. part of. And I had to get over myself for right, half a yeah. second. And I mean, how yeah. many bands do we listen to that talk about driving alone by yourself at night? Sure, and yeah. I'm sure that sounds trite to me. Oh, people. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh no, it's actually deep. No, it's not, motherfucker. No, it's just what we did all the time back right. then because right. we couldn't stay home and right. get on our phones. So I, I had to check myself and again keep myself open. Yeah. But am I am I gonna have anything that's gonna enter my top five at this point? I think or this not? all boils down to experiences are important when you're young. Yeah. And when they're old, they're just really not. <laughs> or you've done it. Something has to be like so entirely brand new. You yeah, know? maybe. Which so. that has to do with the passage of time, which we talked about recently. I guess. I guess I just need to start going to Sex Island, you know, for my vacations. I Have need you heard new, about this? I, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> All right. I, uh, I need new and amazing experiences. No, you read the uh, the California guys, like... The uh, journal or yeah, whatever, the diary. Journal? Yeah. I'm not going to sit light. Sounds like a good time. I don't know. It oh. kind of sounded a little annoying, honestly. Really? Like, it's like, all right, I get it. This is a sex island, you know? I'm oh. not a robot. I think, it's, I think it sounds It just good. seems like the rich just burning out. I don't know. It wasn't that expensive. It was like $8,000, I think. Do you have $8,000 to go on a vacation tomorrow? I mean, I could if I had to. Like, Would I prefer to spend that money on? I didn't read it closely, yeah. but there was like, you know, passages about some dudes had more girls because they'd paid more for them or uh, something. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously money's going to talk, but it just yeah. seems like it just struck me as the uh, last days of Gomorrah or something. I don't know. See, I just like the idea. Uh, I'm not sure if I've shared my personal Dating rituals and habits on here, but I am very take your girlfriends to Sex Island. <laughs> I am First very date. much a cards on the table. Like, right. if I meet somebody out, yeah, I'm going to tell them, them. If you want to have a threesome, I'm, yeah. <laughs> That is after we coital the first time. Maybe you should try before next time. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, but no, I, you know, like before I hit on them, before I make a move, I tell them like, listen, I'm not looking for anybody like, 
if this is going to happen, we're going to be friends or we're going to fuck, but I'm not looking for anything serious. Yeah. I like the idea of Sex Island because it's everyone there knows exactly oh. why they're there. Hey, no, I don't get me wrong. I'm where being else can silly. you walk into? Oh, okay. Where? Because I was going to say, where else can you walk into that environment and know 100% everybody's there with the same sure. goal? It's Absolutely. impossible. There's nowhere else. Absolutely. Well, maybe Tinder. But, right, yes. Uh, but that's not a location. Or actually Grinder, more specifically, but whatever. <laughs> um, so, Sex Island sounds like a good idea to me. Good look, time, good idea. All would I go? Yes. Okay, well, that's all I was really worried about, all to right. be honest. Okay. I'm sorry you were concerned you there. Uh, and then afterwards, I promised I'd have nostalgia about being there. Oh, uh, <laughs> remember when we were on Sex Island? Remember when I didn't have to... We're at the airport, yes, ...make I a connection with this girl at all, and she just wanted to have sex with me? It may have been the cocaine they were giving out We need to free. talk... Casual sex needs to be a topic one time, I that think, because I've got, I've got thoughts about that, which Ooh. might be informing my, like, aversion to Sex Island on okay. one level. Okay, interesting. Yes, uh-huh. I would like to know that. All right, well... Shall we move on to my topic, Paul? Casual sex, yes. You have brought up... Um, one specific IP before, and we discussed it. Star Trek on here. I want okay. to bring up another. Star Trek was your topic, but all right, go was ahead. it? No, it was yours. I, I don't remember. Yeah, it was yours. Trust fine, me. fine. Um, I want want to talk about Lord of the Rings. Ooh, okay. All right, all right. So. Lord of the Rings came out a long time ago. At this point, the movies came out a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Now, 15 yeah. years was the first one, right? 2003. No, 2001, 2001. was the first yeah, one. Yeah, December, right. November 2001. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been 15 years since the last one came out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you could almost say there's some nostalgia around that sort of shit, couldn't you? I mean, yes. Uh-huh. Nostalgia for that kind of filmmaking because it's going to dovetail into our comic book movies episode yeah. a while back. Because, I mean, that was a massively respected and loved, um, but both popularly and artistically critically acclaimed. The um, nerds loved it. Yes. The jocks loved it. Everybody yeah. loved it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a cool dude. Um, Who is? I, I, that's a Ferris Bueller thing. Like, oh. The dweebs, the burnouts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a righteous dude. I thought you were talking about Frodo. I was like, well, is he? Was he? I mean, <laughs> Sam's pretty cool. No, he's not. Sam sucks. Oh, man. Oh. No, Sam is pretty cool. All right. All right, Mr. Kelly. Go on. Go on, Mr. (laughs) Kelly. Um, So I'm just curious um, how you feel about it. Let's start with just as a piece of art. Did you read the books? Yes. yes. All three. Yeah, I read The Hobbit and then Lord of the Rings. Yes. And it, have you yeah. delved into the other stuff? Um, I've uh, fondled it a bit. Okay. Um, I've definitely tried. I've read a couple of Lost Tales. Um, I never bought the Cimmerillion, uh-huh. but I've definitely uh, done a deep dive on the Wikipedia. So I'm pretty well versed in the uh, the Pantheon, the the I don't know the chronology of Middle Earth, whatever. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You've seen all the movies. Oh yes, I have gone to a all-day movie marathon in a theater of the extended versions. It started at like nine in the morning and finished around one a.m. Okay. Does Tom Bobadil show up in the extended? No, cut? no. Do you, have you not seen the extended versions? Never. Uh-uh. Oh, they, they're worth it. I Why? Mean, what do they add to it? Um, you know, it's one of those weird things where you see them enough, you're not sure what it is they add. 
Uh, but then when you see the regular again, you're like, wait, where's that section? Like they, yeah. there's something missing. Um, there's just a little more texture. Uh, there's a couple of little subplots that like, give me a subplot. I'm curious because I know the regular ones so well. See, that's I can't my even problem. imagine. I can't, um, I can't imagine what else they would. Put. I feel like I know there's a lot more uh, introduction to the hobbits maybe at the beginning. Oh, I could see um, that because that's. I mean, all right. So this leads me to my next question: Which do you prefer? If you had, um, let's say, like the desert island question, would you rather be? Uh, marooned with the three movies, or would you rather be remo- uh, marooned with the three books? Ooh, that is a good question. I know. Not for me. It's clear winner for me. Really? Yes. The the movies are so much better than the books. Um, I the movies have become Lord of the Rings in uh-huh. my mind, in popular culture. Right. You know everything that's attached to them now to Lord of the Rings itself, the property uh-huh. um, is it owes a debt to those films. Okay. Uh, I like, hate that argument, but go. Well, on. but I mean, it just like that's that's what they are at this point. Like Peter Jackson's vision of Middle Earth is Middle Earth. However much Christopher Tolkien or whatever would like to right, object. Yeah. Um, like I think I've mentioned on here before that I have put a lot of time into Lord of the Rings Online, okay. a, a massive multiplayer online game. Cool. Um, I <laughs> yes, I was very sick. What's your character's uh, name? Mill Salen. Miss Salen. Mill Salen. Mill Salen. Mill Salen. Okay. Right. Well, it was an in joke with some friends. Anyway, he's a dwarf. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and the 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 games are you know super heavily film influenced, right. obviously. Okay. So, yeah. So let me ask you something. But, but you do like the books? Yes. Okay. Yes. Why? Um, because I Paul. very much respect the world that was created. Okay. I'm very into. I mean. Um, but Tolkien was a classicist. Well, or, let me know. ask this because I don't know. I have only read the first book. Okay. No, I've only read The Hobbit. No, I've read all of The Hobbit. I've yeah. read half of Lord of the Rings okay. or half of uh, Fellowship. And I have read like the first couple chapters of Two Towers. Okay. They did not interest me. They bored me to tears. Huh. I thought it was bad writing. I thought it was bad writing. And hold on. Let me finish uh, this one uh, thought. All right. If I haven't mentioned this before, which I'm pretty sure I have, fantasy is my favorite genre. Right. I love fantasy. Yeah, that's why I'm a little My problem with it is it doesn't world build at all. Really? Yes. I don't know the inner workings of Rohan versus... Um, what's another stupid area? What's um? There's uh, the Rohan. Shire, uh, <laughs> yeah, but the Shire doesn't really have a government. Um, uh, Gondor. Gondor. Like I don't know the difference between how Gondor is ran versus Rohan. Yes, there's different cultures, but there is no in depth into the governing politics and how they make their money and who who yields crops and and what areas is you know what they have as industry. Like I don't know any of that. You. Get get a good idea of where See, they are in their history. I'm not a good I'm not a huge fantasy fan and maybe uh, that kind of stuff is yeah. more where fantasy has gone. Yeah. I don't give a shit about that. Oh, like I, really? that, when I that's not what I'm interested in. See, I, I, I love, want the big ticket items. No, see I love that you got to root it. See and that's why Game of Thrones has got such success as you root it in real life yeah. so these people do not feel like or 
works in Hobbits. They feel like Jim who works at accounting. They okay. feel, you know, like Shardis who delivers my mail. Like you feel the people and the struggles they go through. It's not just, well, he's got a sword. I got to kill him and he looks different than me. I guess. I feel like in fantasy, I want the bigger picture rather than that. Because what I'm looking for is the... We've talked about this before, like in uh, fantasy and Lord of the Rings. Mm. It is very, very easy to say what's good and what's evil. What's pure and what's not. And I don't like that. That is what fantasy is getting away from. I thought that's what you liked about it. I thought you wanted, like, uh, the scene with... uh, um, uh, Fuck. um, Elisar. How can I only think of his name? Elisar Gandalf? Uh, No. um, Aragorn? Aragorn. Thank you. I gave his king name. I'm a fucking nerd um his name is an aragorn well that's one of his names so why does he have numerous names have you read these books i told you again (laughs) paul listen when i speak i have not read them i've read parts of some of them they're terrible i get it um but, uh, I mean, you brought up that when he, oh, friends, you bow to no one. Oh, my That makes God. you cry every time. I thought every that's what time. you loved about the, the purity of no one's ever going to say something so pure and mean it. But, yes, you can get that rooted in realism, too. Okay. I'm talking about, like, getting away from there. There's this big, evil Saruman guy. Yeah. And everything he does is going to be bad. Right. And his intentions are derived from just the idea of evil, like, you know, the devil. And I think it's getting away from that, and I think that's what makes fantasy bad. Okay. Now, I wanted to talk about fantasy in general at a later time, but maybe we don't have to. No, no, we can But, no, I've said the thing that I like most about fantasy is that existentially no one has to in the stories. Now, not Mm in the the life of, like, those characters that go before the book and after the book. Yeah. But in the book, everybody has no existential crises. You have one job, you have one mission, and you've got to complete it. Yeah. Now, the reasons for doing that mission, what you go through when you're on it, that should be very much rooted in realism, in my opinion. Okay. But the thing I like most about fantasy is, like, all right, we're, you know, this company of soldiers, and we have to go and march and defeat this person and this guy or whoever— and our job is not done till we do it. We have this ring to destroy. My job is not done till I do it. Okay. Existentially in life, that would make my life much easier if somebody just came to me and said, hey, <coughs> hey, Van, we need you to do this and everything will be chill in your life afterwards. Sure. I would have some, some North Star to be working towards. Right. In this world, you just clank around into each other until you find out what makes you happy. It's all very confusing. <laughs> it's all very uh, tough to deal with at times. But Slouching in fantasy the grave. Right, yes, essentially. So that's what I enjoy most about it. In Lord of the Rings, I don't know. It's just I don't find it intriguing. I mean, I still to this day like I can't tell you one character trait about Aragorn other than he wants to shirk his responsibility cuz he's not sure he's worthy of it, but he really is a good guy. Uh-huh. Like beyond that, I don't know much about him. Like He's a cookie cutter guy with the girls. He has some true love who he's going to be like, okay, well, why does he believe in true love? Like, he's just not a three dimensional. Well, None of them are three dimensional. That's what the characters. Amazon series is going to answer, I'm sure. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So, to me, something you said earlier that I want to touch on is like, I. Uh, I recognize how important it was as an influencer towards all these things. Yeah. But my response to that is, 
well, you know how many stories and legends and myths and fairy tales and stuff the Bible has influenced? Sure. Bazillions. Yeah. Is it fun to go back and read the Bible? It's not. You're asking the wrong person. It's not, Paul. I don't know. There's some it's cool stories in there. Not. Yes, and but it's not written well. There, the stories are there, and that's great. Take the idea from them. Make a better story. But to read the actual story of Noah and the Ark, uh-huh. you feel like you are reading an informational packet written by fifth graders with a slightly higher intelligent level than they should have who just learned that when people die, you use the word begot this guy or beget him. <laughs> It's terrible, unfun to read writing. I get that cool stories come from it, and to me, that's what Lord of the Rings is. Yeah. Cool ideas come from it. Okay. But to sit down and slog your way through it is just a testament to how much people stick by fantasy blindly, in my opinion. <laughs> um, it, that is an interesting, and I, I can't entirely disagree, because I can't say that I'm taken with Tolkien's language, but, I mean, I remember devouring those books when I was, you know, 11, 12. Okay. And I kind of feel like that's kind of the right time. It seems to be, it needs to be like a bedtime story. I've had so many uh, friends or students even tell me about how, oh, my dad read me uh, Lord of the Rings when I was a kid. I think Barry oh. the Convenient Jew does that really? with his kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, the, oh, man, when the spiders show up, oh, that's so scary, right. blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's in The Hobbit. But, um, yeah. Uh, that's not in The Hobbit. Well, there's spiders in, yeah. Oh, the spiders. I thought you said yeah. the spider. Yeah, not not Shelob. I was going to say, but... why aren't you calling her by her name? <laughs> <laughs> that's one I do now. Right, right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, there's... There's something to like there. Even yeah. I, I mean, I like going back and reading the fucking appendixes in Lord yeah. of the Rings, like just the the drive because it's setting up the history of the world and who did what when. But then again, I spend a lot of my time reading mythology. You know, see, I just feel like uh, Lord, like I love the story of the Lord of the Rings the yeah. same way I love the story of like you know, but uh, Jonah in the whale. Okay, but so you just love how Peter Jackson has taken it. Yes, I now, love the Peter Jackson. Next question. Stuff. Yeah. The Hobbit. Okay. How do you feel about those Hobbit movies? Well, I hated the Hobbit book as well. Really? I thought it was terrible. Man, it was one of the, oh, the I love worst the books I've ever read, oh, in my man. opinion. Um, I enjoy the Hobbit films mainly because I don't like the book and I don't expect him to stay with it and anything. And if anything, I thought the, the Hobbit movies were a testament to what... Tolkien was all about. A testament and, to what money will make you do. The well, lengths you'll go. Well, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. First of all, I read yeah. an article recently about how Peter Jackson was told he had to do that. Right. That was not his idea. Oh, no. It was absolutely not his idea. Okay. Yeah, no. Okay. No, no. But regardless, I don't. Still, I don't necessarily hold him responsible. But, but still, but, how, yeah. what is the difference between that and doing what... Tolkien did with filling in the gaps, you know? I mean, he had answers to all these questions. Why not include them in the movie? Wait, what do you mean? Like, he has, you know, a, a history. He, he knew what Radagast was doing. He has that written down somewhere. Okay. So then why not include that in the movie? Well, because to it me, wasn't... What? It wasn't. It wasn't you know, germane to the plot or to what exactly was going on. Um, I don't know. There's some. I, I have to admit, I really have barely rewatched. Okay. Those well, Hobbit then my movies. question would be: What does Tom Bobadil have to do with the plot? Well, he's been taken out. He's in. You know. No, in the book. Oh, sure. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So, like I said, 
these three films felt like a Tolkien film more than Lord of the Rings does. Oh, I see. Somebody who got who, who loves the world and says, "All right, yeah. well this this needs elaborating here. Well, I could stick it here. Well, I could do that. I'm really interested in this." To me, that's what Tolkien was all about. Like at any time in any day, he could take an interesting part that he hadn't discovered yet and weave it into this world he created. I don't think you can find a lot of examples of that in the Lord of the Rings, other than all right, Tom Bombadil. No, no, but not Lord of the Rings. So, but with all his other stuff, with the Lost yeah. Tales and yeah. with the Cimmerian and all that stuff. Well, that was people asking for more. Um, and the thing is that the the Hobbit, I think, is a, still a different situation. Okay. Well, because first of all, people were asking for more Middle yeah, Earth movies. You're right. You're right. Yeah. But they weren't. Necessarily Necessarily asking for shitty Middle Earth movies. See, you I know? don't find them that shit. What makes them so shitty? Take away the Hobbit the book and any expectation to make the movies like the Hobbit book. Uh-huh. What is wrong with the films? It just goes on. There's not enough story there. There's there's not enough story for three whole movies. I I just it, it just same. I, I remember it feeling kind of ponderous and. Why are we diverting into this nonsense and why is it taking so long? Like, like give me I, an example. I can't remember. Okay. Because I can't remember those movies. They they left so little of an impression. Well, there was the love story between uh, the two elves. Oh, yeah. Who even cares? Yeah. And the elf was, and the dwarf. Well, I mean, I imagine a lot of people care about love stories. But right? it just was superfluous to what they were, what the story actually was. And See, I felt like the Kate, uh, what's her name thing was superfluous and not Kate, uh, Liv Tyler stuff was superfluous. Superfluous in the Lord of the Rings stuff. Uh, yeah, and I would argue that yeah, you could have taken that out, and people were upset yeah. at the time that Arwen had such a, a, a vaunted uh, role. Really, she wasn't. She, that wasn't. Uh, She's not in the books that much. Not that much. No. Really? No. Yeah. Interesting. She doesn't have the same role. Okay. So so yeah yeah you're, <clears throat> we can also attack Lord of the Rings. It's not they're not perfect movies by any means. Well, I think this all stems from the. I don't know. To me, it was just like. Tolkien left too many unanswered questions, but then delved too deeply into some stuff. It's just bad writing. I just don't feel like <laughs> it was like it got away from him, you know, and yeah. he didn't know it was going to be that big. And he didn't realize nerds were going to be like, all right, well, who was Aragon's first relative to be on Middle Earth? I'm curious if that's brown the fact. Like, I'm curious was whether or not. Um, yes, I know for sure. Or I remember reading for sure that, like, obviously the Hobbit came first and mm-hmm. he didn't necessarily intend for the ring to be what it was. And see, that's the sort of shit where I just drop my jaw and I'm like, what a fucking genius to have this one children's book. Yeah. And take out of all the stories and shit that that the the um, little shit bird, what's his name, Fred, uh, Gand- uh, no, Bilbo, Bilbo goes through, yeah, all that shit he goes through, and then be like, oh, you know what? Now that one ring was actually, yeah, the most important thing that. And he went ever back and he rewrote the Hobbit. He edited a little bit to make oh. it a little bit, to fit it in with Lord of the Rings to kind of like, yeah. Accent how important the ring was? I think so. See, I don't remember the details. It is so awesome to me. I love that. Well, there you go. You love Tolkien, I see. I do not like <laughs> Tolkien. At all. So... so but I, I guess I'm saying that, you know, once it caught on with publishers, um, 
was it so wrong of him to go on and on like you say like it's what the, the this world he created you you are working on a fantasy series yes. right yeah. you are building out a world yes. like do you see an end where you can be like well I'm uh, done talking about that world how much time you got Paul oh my god 45 well, minutes well um uh first of all my story takes place on a straw planet that is hollow in the outside has okay. a very long extension up and a long very long extension down with different uh, uh, barriers in between the different worlds. So yes, there are going to be, hopefully, if I ever become a writer, there are going to be numerous uh, book series set on the straw planet. Okay. And then my idea would be to tie all of those stories in to a massive story about the fate of this one planet. Okay. So yes, I am very much down for expanding and expanding and expanding. Right. I just think he didn't have that plan to begin with. So, and I have a beef with this with with uh, the Harry Potter lady, J.K. Rowling, too. Uh-huh. It got away from them. And Oh, you think so? Oh, my gosh. Oh, no, I think that the Harry Potter... Now, what they're doing you're now... Me. What they're doing now... You're telling me... Uh-huh. That she knew in book one yeah. that Horcruxes were going to be that important, then why, Paul, did she wait to not even tell you what three of them were until the last fucking book? I, I, I can't say for sure. I think she made up that Horcrux thing like around book three. Now, book two's got the diary and all that stuff in it, yes. Right. But I think the I think she was like, all right, I'll figure out what the other ones are later. Like, if you are making a complicated web of a story, you cannot yeah. say that. Uh, I'm not saying that I know for sure she had everything in place, but I, I feel like she had an ending in mind about how it was going to go down and what... Uh, Voldemort had done, you know, what, why Harry was able to survive and what happened, blah, 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 what the scar would really meant. Yeah, like, I, I feel like I heard um, that she had the last lines of the last book written for years. And it was yeah, about see, the you know, scar not To me, hurting. it's more about so the lead up to the end. Yeah. The hunt for the whore. It, it seemed like the last movie felt so slap, or the last book felt so slapped together to me that, like, Oh, God, it's the last book. I still haven't talked about three Horcruxes, and these are what these kids are hunting. They have nobody helping them. How the fuck are they going to find three? Oh, wait, I know. They're all in the school. It just seems so. I feel like they had been, like, um, the the diadem, I think, was mentioned, like, in back in book three or something, mm. or even book oh, two. Oh, well, I've never read the books. So well, I'm just saying. I, I just don't know that you're right on, you know. I don't know. How much, yeah. On the other hand, something that I always get pissed at the end. Oh, uh, I never watched it, but were you a fan of Lost? Yes, love Lost. They admit they had zero idea where they were going with it. Absolutely. And you can see that. Yeah. And I could see it at the time. I was like, I'm not watching this. Like, unless I find out that it's got a good ending. Like, it just seems like they're just throwing shit at the wall. And I'm going to be, you know, you're going to be disappointed. That was a fun like, roller uh, coaster while it lasted. Did you ever watch Battlestar Galactica? Love it. Yeah. Oh, man. Couldn't hate that ending more. Really? I, I, I did. love the ending. I just felt like I liked the way it ended up, but it also felt like it was just being made up as they go along. Like Starbuck dying and then showing back up. And like, what? what? She's an angel and she disappeared at the end. How did she die in the first place? I forget. Uh, I think her ship exploded or something. But wasn't she like leading Cylons away? Or she, she was. Like she suicide. sacrificed herself, yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but then she showed back up and was just an angel the whole time. Like, Uh a wizard did it. What? No. Like, that's not how you've been writing this show all along. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and, like, what about at the end of Harry Potter where uh, uh, Percival Dumbledore? No, is that his name? 
the Dumbledore's, Dumbledore's brother. brother. Okay, Aberforth. Yeah, yeah, Aberforth is just hanging out in the town where they've all been going for like the entire seven books. Nobody recognized. Nobody knew that. Like, back, I mean, back in like book three, at oh. least. Maybe you're right. She came up with everything by book three, but uh, like they talked about the barman. Like he'd been mentioned, and the, there had been some kind of like you know looking back, like oh I get it. Uh, he's been there all along. They just never see. Maybe you know, that's my problem. I only read books five and six. Okay, six and seven. Seven. There were seven books. There were seven. Six. Yeah. I only read six and seven. Uh, yeah, they're pretty good. You should go back. Uh, the audio books uh, narrated by Jim Dale. I've heard that. It was be- quite good. I've heard that because, like, I had some big beefs and I've been listening to Do you listen to the binge mode? On, no. Uh, there's a great podcast uh, that has been tackling all seven Harry Potter books, like, three chapters at a time. Then they do the movie, three chapters. Oh, the, cool. Like, okay. Right? Okay. So, like, they, these, and these two people who are doing it, Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion, uh, they're, they're like Potterheads to the max. So they know okay. all this shit. And they're talking about all this stuff in the books. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. Why didn't they do that in the movies? Like, yeah. like they're talking all the time about uh, – I, I only listen to the podcast about the movies. And they're talking about you know the biggest changes from book to movie and stuff like that. Okay. I had no idea Harry Potter like had that big of a relationship with Hedwig. Because in the movie, oh, yeah. Yeah. it's like Hedwig is blah, blah. But in the books, he's like – he feels bad because he keeps Hedwig in a cage. He mentions him all the time. He's literally like his dog. Like, yeah. And it's a her. I didn't even know Hedwig was a right. girl. Like, and then when she is killed in the seventh book, spoilers. It's, like, right. it's a, and it all happens very different. I yeah. I didn't remember that that she died in her cage in the book. Yeah, like unable to move. And in the, I think that was a great change that she sacrificed herself for Harry in the movie. Yeah, oh, that was a great change. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but in the book, it was like the first, like you knew that shit was getting serious, right? And people were gonna die. Oh yeah, and Mad she Eye was the first one. Off Page too. Yes, which yeah. is a dumb choice. I yeah, thought, but no, I, I, because he wasn't there, and you're not going to see everything happen. Yeah, and I guess that's true. Yeah. So back to Lord of the Rings. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I just was not happy with the amount of detail that was in it. I think it would have been better as like eight books. Okay. Like give me, give me more. Like how much really in the books? I'm curious. Do you get of like. Gandalf's travels because in the book no he leaves yeah he leaves and he's gone and he never comes back so the movies made all that shit up no um the movies uh you mean like when he goes to the two towers and talks right right exactly yeah Saruman yeah I well no you do get that in the book you get him getting captured um I guess what was I thinking of there is a place where he goes off in the books and you don't see him and but in the movies they explain where he is. You sure you're not thinking about the Hobbit? I might be. Because in the Hobbit he disappears. Right. A lot. Right. And I am thinking this of the time, Hobbit. You actually know he went to see Radagast. Right. To check on the uh, and went to go, He went to go fight uh the necromancer, it turns out to be Sauron. Well he didn't go to fight that he was going to go well, check yeah. on Dungador or whatever it's called. Whatever. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Um so what was I talking about? I just, uh, the details, the details. And so I was curious, um, like, were you happy with the amount of detail? It's written in third person omniscient, right? Yeah. Books are. Yeah. So you really just jump around a lot. No, um, you really kind of stick with um, certain groups for quite a long time, and then you go back and hear the other stories. Oh, like, really? Yeah, um, it's not as intercut as, say, like the film The Two Towers uh-huh. and Return of the King, that you cut between The Hobbits and 
uh, the Battle of Helm's Deep, and you okay. cut between different stories. But it, in the books, it is a lot more. Here's this. So and you get all this. of the Battle of Helm's Deep at I one, think in like so. one go I think round? you get yeah. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, and they you know comes back together at the end. And then of course, always my biggest uh, complaints, and I'm worried Game of Thrones is going to make the same mistake in their upcoming thing. Is mm-hmm. you've got the battle for the entire world, mm-hmm. and uh, it takes six hours. <laughs> like, come on. Are you, come you mean, on. Are you worried about the books or the Well, I'm curious. How season? long do the books... Oh, no. I'm, I'm Well, in the Game of Thrones books, they haven't got there. I'm curious. But I'm saying, yeah. So in the Lord of the Rings books, uh-huh. how big are the bad... Do they last for months like they fucking should? Uh, no. I think, I, as I recall, it goes pretty much the same way. See, that's so fucking stupid. I don't get that. I mean, We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people here. We're yeah. talking about prolonged... Prolonging the world, and these battles are over, and it's just like, all right, we're done. Nobody retreats. Nobody thinks of strategies. Nobody had. No, you know, I think now that you mention it, that t- there is a lot more time in the books. Okay, uh, and I think there's definitely a lot more time. It takes a lot more time for the hobbits to get to Mount Doom, that kind of stuff. Right. Like in the movies, okay. it definitely seems like they took a you know a quick travel portal or something. Right. Right. So. And see, that's why you know uh, I'm sure I mentioned on here my favorite fantasy series of all time is the wheel of time okay and that final book is essentially one giant battle i mean the prologue is like the biggest city in the entire world getting ransacked and they lost the biggest city that's a prologue Mm. and then from there it's just retreating back to this place where they said this is where our last stand is going to be and then there's literally a chapter like three-fourths of the way through the book called The Last Battle. So even though The Last Battle's been happening the entire time, they're building towards The Last Stand. And it takes like weeks for all this to unfurl because armies have to move because people have to eat because and that might be why the wheel of time books just may not be for me. Like I'm not interested in reading about weeks and weeks of travel. Oh but when you've got when you don't have two groups you have 12 groups and in every group there's some character where you're like oh my god I fucking love this character I gotta see what they're up to in this battle it just makes it so and I hate the third person omniscient I hate that (laughs) writing style okay like I feel like especially in war and in fantasy you've gotta know what's going on in somebody's uh, own personal take of the world to understand what they have invested in it, what okay. they don't have invested. I, in. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, listeners, get at me. Tell me why <laughs> I'm wrong about Lord of the Rings. I've heard a couple of people like it. I just somewhat don't get popular. It. Somewhat popular. The movies I'll go to bat for all day. Still to this day, anytime I take hallucinogens or hard drugs, I'm coming down. Fellowship of the Ring is what I watch to calm myself down at the end of the night. Love it. I yeah I, the movies I will I will go back to the bat for um, you know what's your favorite of the three ah uh, it's a tough question yeah um, maybe two towers just because okay. the the battle of Helm's Deep is ridiculously good but then there's so much that I love about the Fellowship like honestly the first you know ten minutes of the Fellowship the the Galadriel oh it's amazing Kate Blanchett narrating oh, it's yeah yeah that that I could watch that. Forever, absolutely. You know, and when I watched, I went to the theaters to see the all-day marathon. That was rough to try and get through. Yes, yeah. but there definitely were in each movie. Like, I oh, got, this part's coming up. Oh, this part's coming up. I gotta tell you, they probably really made you work for you. Oh no, my friends, you bow. <laughs> you know one. <laughs> you really earned that one there. Oh, indeed. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. So, what's your favorite book then? Um, probably Fellowship. Um, really? The books, like, um, they don't broken up the same way. And, uh, like, 
the the movies, um, you know, they they end the two towers with kind of a cliffhanger with Shelob, but all that. Uh, no, they don't. Yeah. No, they don't. Yeah, the Shelob is not like it's uh, it's kind of a cliffhanger with. Um, well, maybe I'm no, describing it wrong. You're describing it. No, wrong. the two towers ends. I'll tell with... you the last scene of the two towers right now. All right. It's them walking. Yeah. Oh. What I'm saying is uh, Gollum, Gollum is saying. Go- I thought you she meant. She will take care of. I yeah. thought you meant you see her. No, no, no. You okay, just yeah, yeah, like yeah. everybody's like, oh yeah, Shelob's coming. But I want to say that that entire bit was in the two towers. Like half of of the Return of the King is the appendix uh, that's just a list of dates and things uh, which is what Peter Jackson was able to use to expand The Hobbit all the information that was in there because that's the real problem is that they wanted to make all these movies but he only had access the rights to certain Uh, movies or certain books okay so yeah. yeah so wait so how does The Two Towers end then where does it end um I want to say it ends with uh Rohan um and oh, fuck, I can't remember. I honestly can't remember. Where does okay. the Return of the King pick up? All right, stretch for a second. Um, so, like, another part that I just remember trying to get through Lord of the Rings, A Fellowship of the Ring, which Fellowship of the Ring is my favorite movie. Okay. I just, it took too long to get going. It felt very similar to The Hobbit, which I didn't enjoy. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was... Two Towers ends with uh, Frodo being taken captive by the orcs. Like, uh... Oh, so Sam they... assumes he's dead uh, after he's been... Oh, wait, so the Shalob stuff does happen in, in the, the two second. Towers. Oh. Because yeah, yeah. the Two Towers is broken into... It's broken into books. So uh, they're book really... Book three, right. The Treason of Isengard, and book four, The Ring Goes East. So the third book... Mm-hmm. Sam and Frodo are in the bad place, Mordor, the entire time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what did they do in Mordor that takes so fucking long? Because in the movie, they that just flies by. They just like walk across the field, and that's it, pretty much. The Return of the King is broken into the War of the Ring, and so it's all the the Battle of Pelennor Fields, and then trying to distract Sauron. Well, I get how that takes up a shit yeah. ton of time. And then the the end of the Third Age is the last bit, and that's just Sam sneaking in, right, right, bearing right, right. the One Ring in Frodo's place. Gandalf has distracted Sauron, and so it, it's so it's, there's it's, really not a lot of them oh, in Mordor. Oh, oh I'm saying like half of the book is the appendix. You know, it's not a full novel. Oh wow, so, okay. Right. Interesting. Right. So the biggest novel is the second one then, probably. Yeah, right? yeah. Got to be. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, like I said before, listeners, please get at us. Tell me why I'm wrong about Lord of the Rings, <laughs> even though, guys, I'm not. Okay. You um, might be wrong. Uh, Paul, tell them where they can get at us. Uh, find us on Twitter at EDID Podcast and then search us on Facebook every day. I'm different. Let us know what you think. And EDI Podcast at Gmail if you have any questions. Sounds good. Yep. Thanks for listening, guys. For uh, Paul Patrick, I'm Van Kelly. Every day I'm different. Have a good one. Take care. <laughs>